hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint you know for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's, that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. Hello everyone and welcome to the Unruly Podcast. My name is Kaylin Otto and I am your host. And like truly welcome to the podcast. I am so excited that you're here, whether you are a reoccurring listener or this is your first time here. We have a seriously enlightening episode for you today. Our guest, Des, is an incredible speaker and has so much wisdom and life experience and love to give, so I know you're really going to feel that in today's episode. But some exciting podcast news before we get into the episode. Today, we have a sponsor for the podcast. And our sponsor is Rhino, a new type of travel app that came out that actually promotes and encourages diversity. So yeah, this is a new type of travel app. And I am so excited about what they do. I've been getting to use the app before it comes out. But now it's available to you. You can go to the link in the show notes and download it. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. Rhino is a social travel app that enables people to share and discover travel experiences through photos and videos. And what makes this app so different is that through every profile that you create, you're going to add badges for labels and identities that you identify with. So for example, if you were looking at my profile on Rhino, you would see that it says non-binary, queer, female, and vegan, so that when you see my travel experiences shared in the app, you know where that perspective is coming from. Rhino believes that diversity in travel matters and representation does as well. So they're really challenging the travel industry's one-size-fits-all approach. So this app is great whether you're getting on to just scroll for fun or plan your next trip. And it really allows you to connect with people that have common interests, lifestyles, and backgrounds. So go ahead, try it out for yourself. Uh, Honestly, I've gotten to try it out for a while now, and I'm so excited for you to get on there. So again, go to the link in the show notes and download the Rhino app and get started with it today. All right, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Unruly Podcast. I am here with Des today. And I am so pumped to get this interview started. So, Des, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Like I was just saying, I feel like we have so much in common, and I just watch all your content and read your posts, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, I love you. I love yes. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes, we've been 
internet friends for a while, so it's great to actually be live on a call with you. And I agree, we have so much in common, and um, just our journeys are so in sync that I know that one day we'll meet in person as well. Yes, and that is the best. I do appreciate the, you know, video where I can see faces and stuff, but in person would be definitely great one day. So how did we, I always like to talk about how we met each other. I think maybe we just found each other through online, like queer van life spaces. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think I, I don't know if you found me or if I found you, but I know I like to search for, especially vegan Mm -hmm. or plant-based travelers. Um, so I think that's how I originally found you. And then I was scrolling your page and I was like, yep, yeah. like, <laughs> this is a future friend right here. <laughs> yep. That is, that's totally how, that's totally how I felt. So I'm glad you felt the same. Well, so all of those things obviously are things we have in common, but could you give us an introduction to you a little bit, who you are, um, what you do, all of those things? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Des and I'm Enlightened Exploration online. So I am a holistic counselor, a life coach. Um, I've been vegan or plant-based for almost 10 years now. I'm a single parent. I identify as non-binary and I've been a nomad for about eight years now. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, But I'm always, so 10 years ago, I dedicated to creating my happiest, healthiest, wealthiest self. And that's kind of the journey that I'm on right now. So everything I do, every decision I make is very conscious, very um, spiritual, very aligned to what makes me happy. And, you know, I've dealt with my family. In my family, I'm like the only queer person. I was the first person of color on one side of my family. Um, I'm the only person identifying as non-binary, the only vegan, the only nomad. So I'm just like, I don't fit in in my family, which is fine. So I do get critiqued on like almost being selfish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have this negative connection with the word selfish. But I think in order to really put ourselves first, we do have to sometimes make decisions that are all about us. And it's okay as long as it's a healthy decision. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's been a journey. And that's just what I see life as just this beautiful journey. And I'm always willing to learn more and open my mind more, experience more. And that's, you know, how I found you and how I just thrive in this lifestyle, essentially. Yeah, there's, there's so much that we're gonna unpack and get into that I'm excited to talk to you about. But I do feel like people get really, you know, they use the word selfish as a bad thing. But if you're not putting you first if you're not taking care of you who else is gonna do it who is you have to make those decisions and it's just so funny because I relate a lot to those things that you were saying being the only one in the family who's vegan and queer and non-binary which becomes our norm but then you face the outside world and it's not and it's just I don't know if for you it's still disorienting but for me it's like sometimes I'm still like wait this isn't the world that we we live in. We're trying to create it, yeah. but we're not there yet. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I do, you know, I'll make friends and I'll think that we're like totally aligned and then we'll have some conversations and I'm like, Ooh, you're deeply, I don't want to say wrong, but you're deeply misinformed on this aspect. And it's just because, you know, you're, I don't want to call people ignorant, but you know, they don't have that knowledge. Yeah. And I try to 
be that person that is comfortable having the hard conversations because Mm -hmm. if we don't inform people and educate people, then they're still going to be ignorant and, you know, have this closed minded vision. Mm -hmm. And it's just because they have, they haven't been taught any better. And, you know, I've been forced to do that with the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. Um, I was put in a program that essentially integrated an almost fully European descendant school. And that was very difficult. So I dealt with a lot of racism, a lot of hard situations from teachers, administration, parents, Mm -hmm. um, and some peers, you know, as kids, it's not as outright, but there were things that I look back at that were just wrong. Um, but you know, I like to, I like to have those conversations, you know, not in a confrontational way, but to make people comfortable asking me questions that they don't have anyone else to ask. Cause there's just certain things that you cannot ask Google. Yeah. You know, and get like a true, real human response to. So yeah. I really like just having those co- real conversations with people and educating people as much as I like to learn and, you know, essentially bridge the gap between knowledge and ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's so un- important. It's unfortunate that, you know, especially people of color kind of forced into that situation a lot, like you were talking about. Um, so I think that these conversations are so important. So hopefully it relieves that in the future, you know, that person learns and they're able to move on and, and not put that on someone else. So yeah, thank you for all of your work because it's just <laughs> it's it. so much. Uh, so I have a surprise get to know you question that I always like to ask guests before we get into more of the bulk of the conversation. And it's, it's really basic for you today. Actually, I just want to know, for some reason, what your favorite color is and why. Because you're always wearing all these beautiful colors and patterns. And so this might be a question that doesn't really make sense because, you know, there's so many different colors. But I'm just wondering if there's one that you're drawn to and why. So I actually love this question because it's a question that kids get asked a lot, right? And I can remember, I can remember, like, my strain of favorite colors. I guess started out with purple. And then they had this green, blue, and yellow phase where, like, everything had to be green, blue, and yellow. And then, um, you know, it went off in different colors. But now my full answer always is the rainbow. Like, I absolutely love all colors. You know, if I gave you a tour of my home, there's just colorful fabric (laughs) everywhere. And, like, it doesn't only make me feel good, but I find that it makes everyone else feel good. Like, whenever I go out in, like, a print like this, people are just complimenting me and how colorful it is and just smiling at us and I usually have my kid in a matching a matching shirt and yeah so even when I talk to my kid about it I'm like you don't necessarily have to pick a favorite Mm -hmm. and your favorite can change you know there's different seasons for different colors and so I really try to teach my kid to appreciate what each color brings because you know the chakras are aligned with different colors different Mm -hmm. energies different crystals are different colors so I truly try to appreciate every single color that's out there. I love that. I do love that. that question. Yes, it is such a question that we ask little kids. And then yep. we stop asking each other that. So yep. <laughs> uh, thank you for answering that. You know, I also can remember the series of colors that I went through. Like, I remember very specifically, I have the relational memories. And very recently, I started loving orange again which I just really didn't like for a long time. I was like, ew, orange. But I loved it as a kid. And uh, 
especially when I was growing up and I felt like a boy and everyone's like, no, you're not like a boy. You're not a boy. I would wear orange all the time. I had bright orange and like flames. And I love that color. And everyone's like, no, you're not a boy. Like making fun of my clothes, all this stuff. And so I think it has finally come back around and I'm like, this is such a great color, you know? Yeah. I'm going to embrace it now. So I love that your kid (laughs) from the start is just going to be able to be like, these are all great. I'm going to be myself. Yeah. Yeah, my kid is definitely getting to the age where they're questioning why, because I pretty much do everything differently from yeah. the norm. Okay. And, you know, I let my I allow my kids to watch certain shows that I watch ahead of time, and really no show is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, no show has all bi- non-binary characters and, you know, people of all different hues and whatnot. Um, but I find some that have good messages still. But even, you know, just going out in society my kid will have questions like why don't we say he and she because I use non-binary pronouns for everyone Mm -hmm. because I don't like to make assumptions about people yeah like I I don't know it's a it's just a weird descriptive like we automatically focus on people's genitalia yeah and we divide them and it's just so unnatural to me um and we just don't know Right. Like we literally right. don't you know. You don't ever know. Like, even if you assume, you really truly don't know unless you grow to have an intimate relationship with this person. Right. So it's like, why even assume? Or, you know, I, I sometimes I'll like see people, I try to stop myself from doing this, but I'll see people in public and automatically the brain wants to try to calculate what their relationship is. Yes. Like, are they parent and child? Are they best friends? Are they siblings? When it's like, why do we need to know that? Like, why do we need to automatically start putting people in boxes before we even go up and say hi? Yeah. So I'm really trying to teach my child to just embrace who people are individually mm-hmm. and not start dividing them immediately. And that's a struggle. Like, it was mm-hmm. easier when they were younger, um, but it's more of a struggle now that they're getting a little older, a little more conscious of how everyone else is talking. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you know, my grandparent says this, so I'm going to say it. And I'm like, well, you can choose to say that. I'm not going to say that you cannot say something, Mm -hmm. but here is why I choose not to say that. Like the word can't, that's Mm -hmm. not my vocabulary. You won't ever hear me saying that unless I'm having this conversation explaining why I don't say it. (laughs) My mom, my parent though, my mom says it all the time, like every other sentence. And it's so limiting. And I see it in in how their life has played out. Mm-hmm. And whenever they come to visit, my kid will start saying it because they're just used to hearing it. So I have to like spend a couple of weeks deprogramming that and reminding them of why we don't say that. It's like, yes, you can choose to say it, but why would you want to when you know there are many better words to use that will actually help you manifest what you want to be able to do instead of consistently limiting yourself? Yeah, that, that conscious parenting because uh, my best friend is also non-binary and vegan and has a queer family and so awesome. uh, when I'm at their house you know this is like a lot of the same language that's going on all of these things and so I know very few parents who do that I mean it's it's them mm-hmm. and it's you and so I am excited to talk to you about parenting a non-binary child in this conscious way because like you were saying, I do the same thing. I automatically go to they, even for non-human animals. You know, everyone's yep. like, oh, is your dog a boy or a girl? And I'm like, right. well, we don't have a dog. Why we have a rabbit. <laughs> and I'm like, 
first of all, I don't know their gender. Second of all, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, right. Even for aunt, I, I, I love to make people feel uncomfortable. Like, why do you care if my cat has a penis or a vagina? Like, what is, what is that going to change for you? I'll, I'll say that about my kid too. And like, especially people are being rude about it. Like, but why won't you just tell me, you know, if they keep asking, I'll say like, why does my child's genitalia interest you so much? Like, should I be worried? And they immediately just like, like, if you're going to be rude, I'm, you know, I'm going to be stand strong. I'm not going to tell you what genitalia they have. And my kid isn't old enough to really, they're just starting to blossom into, you know, feeling more feminine or feeling more masculine. And that is going to shift. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you what genitalia they have. So you can automatically start putting them in boxes and telling them what they can and cannot wear or do. So yeah, it's definitely a constant work in progress, you know, with other people. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about was how you deal with that, especially when kids are not quite yet teens, because then I feel like then they really sometimes get their voice and they can be like, no, these are my boundaries. These are my pronouns. But until then, it's like you as a parent, it seems like most of it is on you. It is. And when it comes to myself, I don't necessarily stand up for myself and being non-binary and stressing the they, them pronouns, or I didn't before parenting. And I, it was probably when my kid was two that I was like, okay, if I'm going to stand up for my kid's pronouns, I need to stand up for my own. So my mm-hmm. kid learns how to stand up for their pronouns when they, whenever they choose mm-hmm. what they are, you know, cause I'm going to, I'm going to trust my kid to choose what pronouns they want to use. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, I have this vision for my kid, but that vision has to be flexible because yeah. they are their own person. And that's a struggle in parenting that is not talked about enough. Um, you know, just leaving, giving them that space. And that's really what my whole lifestyle is dedicated to as a parent mm-hmm. is giving them that space to just be who they are, mm-hmm. you know, giving them the intelligence that they need, the communication skills that they need, the ability to heal themselves if my kid knows if they have a tummy ache like I I have a whole line of essential oil roller bottles that I made for them they know which one to go and grab and put on their own stomach like they know how to take their healing into their own hands um but as far as the conversation about pronouns and gender Zion has actually the past year Zion has gotten really good at saying I'm not a boy I'm not a girl I'm Zion yeah and that's their answer especially when other kids, because now I'm finding that other kids are really asking, but like, are you a boy or a girl? You know, it's not necessarily the adults. The adults will take my answer for what it is. Yeah. They'll either use the they, them pronouns, or depending on what Zion is wearing, they will use he, him, or she, her, um, which, you know, I'm not super offended by. I see that people are trying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's very new for people. Like, I've practiced a long time. Mm-hmm. I practiced my entire pregnancy. You know, I picked Zion's name out immediately. I knew I was going to raise them non-binary. Um, and I just started like every, that's when everything and everyone became they, them. Yeah. And, yes. um, <laughs> so, um, I practiced my entire pregnancy, but for like my, my family, they're, they, I mean, my mom kind of gets it, but a lot of my extended family, they just completely don't understand. So I just have not told them what my kid's physical sex is, because once I do that, they're not going to try. Right. And at least now they try. 
So, um, yeah. But what makes it a little more challenging in this lifestyle is you're constantly around different people. Mm -hmm. So you're having to reintroduce this conversation over and over again. And I'm currently at a campground and when the manager met my kid, you know, they were in jeans and a t-shirt, you know, to me, that's non-binary. I don't, I don't get very masculine or feminine clothing. Um, it's just very neutral, or at yeah. least I did at the time. Now Zion kind of likes the more, um, they like flowy things yeah. a lot. So I'm starting to let them pick their clothing more, but this manager assumed that Zion was a boy. So they introduced us to other people without me being around as, you know, here's Dez and their son. So the whole campground kind of feels that like Zion is masculine, but then sometimes Zion goes outside in a caftan and I know they're probably confused and you know, it's, it's fine. Like I don't, if you're not going to come and ask me the questions, you know, I don't really owe you any answers. I don't have to go around explaining how I'm parenting my kid. Like either you witness it and learn something or I'm definitely open if you come and ask me questions. So that has been a challenge, but it's been really interesting seeing how different people respond. And it, it really is dependent on what Zion is wearing. Mm -hmm. That's what people will usually decide or even how Zion's hair is styled. Yeah. You know, sometimes people are just set on Zion being a boy. And then the next day they're like set on Zion being a girl. And then they just realize, okay, I have no idea. (laughs) It's like, exactly, exactly. Like gender is an expression and it changes daily. When you wake up in the morning, you wake up either feeling masculine or feminine or maybe a mixture. I mean, we're always a mixture of both, but you decide what you want to, how you want to express yourself. And I didn't really realize how fluid it was until I became pregnant because I was very masculine. Yeah. Very masculine my entire childhood. And I was almost afraid of my femininity and that has to do with, like, being a survivor of assault. Mm-hmm. Like, that part of me I almost felt ashamed of. But being pregnant, like, it was just the divine feminine. You know, I couldn't hide it. And then I was like, okay, I can I can really feel comfortable in this. Mm-hmm. So now I just, like, flow in between. I, I love the androgyny. I love being able to put on a caftan and flow with it and look beautiful. I love being able to put on a suit and tie and look super handsome. Like, yes, you know, and, and Zion loves that too and you know Zion calls me Mada which is like Mama and Dada put together because I'm their parent and they came up with that themselves and it was just so beautiful like it just meant so much to me that is so beautiful thank you for sharing that that almost makes you want to cry because I'm just like so happy that there's kids that get that you know at such a young age especially uh you know even me myself experiencing things that I'm like wow, how would I be now if it was just open and fluid and that was fine? Yes. And you hear so much these days, people are so scared. They're like, you're turning the kids trans or you're turning the kids gay or not. And it's like, no, you're giving them space to be whoever they are, to choose the pronouns that they want. It's just leaving an open space. And I think people think like, oh, now there's so many queer or trans or whatever people because you're pushing it on them. And it's like, no, now they're just feeling safer to say this is who exactly. I am uh, and take up space like that. So I just love that you're like giving that space from the beginning. It's going to be what it's going to yes. be, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, it's definitely work, you know, just, I just had anxiety yesterday about, um, 
you know, Zion might get to an age or, you know, need to need help going to the bathroom for a family member. And I'm like, what happens if it does leak in my family? Like, how will I deal with that? Mm-hmm. You know, if they just all decided or if they figured it out and, um, and then it's like, well, that really needs to be more of a conversation with my kid mm-hmm. and how they'll deal with it. Like, I don't have to stress about that because one, it's not happening right now. Yeah. You know, I have just, just that protective mama bear sense about me, but, um, Zion is extremely intelligent and I know that has a lot to do with how I've raised them, how I've given them space. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm a highly intelligent person, so I didn't ever talk to my kid in baby talk. I mean, I was sitting there reading them (laughs) Sacred Woman by Queen Afua when they were two. So it's like, you know, they've been taken in the knowledge and like hearing all these big words and the people are always like, how is your kid so smart? I'm like, we just talk to each other like we're two human beings. You know, I don't talk down to them. I see them as a full being. Like mm-hmm. I have as much to learn from them as they have to learn from me. Like every day it's an energy exchange and just mm-hmm. so many parents do not parent like that. You know, they talk down to their kids. They try to train their kids and belittle them and, you know, mold them into this vision that they have. And it's so unnatural and you will always get, some type of pushback, like yeah. whether it's in their teen years, whether it's in their twenties, whether it's, you know, in their thirties and they found themselves and now they want nothing to do with you. And it's like, I want a close relationship with my kid always. And I will do what it takes. I will be flexible to make sure I nourish who they are. And I completely agree with you. Like we are not, you know, I'm not forcing, I'm not molding Zion. I'm not even molding them into being non-binary. I'm just giving them the space to, not limit themselves and not make that choice where now other people are going to start putting you in a box. Right. And it's like, I, I too, I, I love to think about if I had been raised this way and you know, I, I appreciate all my experiences and it's like, I had to go through everything that I went through in order to be the parent that I am today. Um, but I remember when you were talking about colors, I was like, the only color that I didn't like for a really long time was pink because it was forced upon me because, you know, I was my mom's little girl. She still calls me that. And I'm like, mom, it's not that hard to say your little child. Like, it's not that hard. And my mom was just like my family. I won't even come at my mom because my mom has been really wonderful. Yeah. But like my family is very binary, very polarized. Mm -hmm. You know, we got the Republican side, the Democrat side and, you know, just like all along any type of binary there is, it's there. Yeah. And even even with animals, like yes. two animals cannot be friends without them saying, "Oh, is that your girlfriend? Is that your boyfriend?" I'm like, "Why? Like, it's Why? Weird. It's just weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. I oh just don't gosh. get it." Yeah, it's it's really interesting to think about because, like you, I feel like I've learned a lot from different experiences, and I did have a really great childhood, so I can't even complain. But there were different things I experienced that now, you know, even interacting with my friends' kids or other things, I'm, like, really mindful not to push things on them that had been pushed on me. So I definitely appreciate that. And I am excited to see a generation that has more freedom and creativity and just, like, that permission. Not even that we need permission, but when someone gives it to you sometimes, you're like, oh, my gosh, I really... I needed that. And I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, but my family is, it's like a lost cause getting them to respect (laughs) 
like pronouns. I just, yeah. I try, I get tired, then I cry, then I get mad, then I try to joke about, like I go at it all these different ways and it's just like at the end of the day, it's not working. I'll keep persisting. But people will say to me, like for my grandparents, like other families will be, family members will be like, Kaylin, they're too old to learn that. You know, even if it comes to something else like race, racism or classism or something like that, I'm trying to be like, no, like I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you why this is wrong. I'm going to educate you. And other family members are always like, Kaylin, they're just too old. And I'm like, stop saying that. They are not too old yeah. to learn. They are up. They're making food. They're going out to work with horses. They're going out to do this, that. Their brains are at a place where they can take in new information and they can put Absolutely. that into their lives. And I feel like people just always have an excuse for someone. Like, they're mm-hmm. too old. They're too young. Yep. Like, why are you limiting that person? Yeah. Yep. And it doesn't come to, it doesn't come down to like not being able to learn. Cause like you said, absolutely everyone can learn. Everyone is always learning. Our brain is always learning. It comes down to like being stubborn and being so comfortable in your set ways that you're just unwilling to learn. Yeah. You know, cause I mean, if you're hearing this over and over and over again, your brain is wanting to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're, t- if you're telling yourself though, like, no, like this is how I've always done it. I don't want I don't want to do this, then that's, you're almost putting in more work towards not learning it than you would be just learning it. You know, it's more work for you. It's more work for them. So I've definitely heard that. Um, but I mean, some of the people who have been most receptive on my travels have been the people my mom's age. So baby boomers, you know, people in their sixties who, you know, are out here and just trying to create something new. And they're just so, receptive to the conversation and they're comfortable mm-hmm. in asking more mm-hmm. you know they they're the people who will actually can ask a lot of questions and make me think because you know I have to be a better teacher and I have to learn how to have this conversation because if I'm if I'm unable to communicate it well no one's going to learn from me so yeah I love meeting those people who are willing to just like ask and ask and ask and I don't think I've ever been asked a question that has been rude or uncomfortable or anything like that so yeah you'll get those people who are just unwilling to move you know the stubborn mules that just don't move um but then you'll get the people who are just like so ready to learn you know they know at that point like they know that they've been trapped in this box for their whole life you know working the same nine to five job their whole life living in the same town they grew up in and you know i meet a lot of other nomads so they just freed themselves from so much restraint and now they're starting to open up and become more fluid and they're realizing that oh other people have already been living fluidly mm-hmm. so they may not even be just asking about my kid and my um identi- identity but they may be questioning their own identity oh, like who am i sure. really i yeah. have met multiple people that are over 50 years old that started following along on my blog or podcast and, you know, at first I'm just thinking, oh, you're just like this in the box person. You know, nothing wrong with that, but you're just like, yeah. you know, whatever. And then months later, they're like, hey, I didn't know, the, I didn't have the language for this. Like, I had never heard this yes. in my lifetime. And you said that. And and I've always been like this, but now I can let it out. And I'm like, it makes me so happy. It, That's beautiful. Yes. And it's so beautiful that you're providing a space for them 
to become comfortable because that is a hu- emotional intelligence. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Like you, first of all, you have to understand yourself emotionally and then you have to figure out how to communicate yeah. those emotions. And yeah. emotional intelligence is so low. Mm-hmm. It's so low. And so many people, we just aren't taught it. Yeah. You know, my family, especially, you know, they're all baby boomers. They, I think their parents both were alcoholics Mm -hmm. and you know, that broke down systems also. So they will just shut things up. They won't talk about like at all, you know, it'll be right there in their face. I remember when my, um, my dad passed away, Mm -hmm. we had a family party like a week later, not a single one of them brought it up. They just completely avoided it. And my dad was kind of like outcasted out of the family, um, out of that side of the family. But like, to me, it was just, like, so rude in the moment. I was so hurt by it. But now, having the emotional intelligence I have, I realized they just couldn't bring it up. You know, yeah. they couldn't relate to it because they hadn't lost their father yet. And they just didn't, you know, I know that if once they start talking about emotions, you know, it just comes flowing out. So they would rather just keep that gate up. So emotional intelligence is so important to teach ourselves, to teach our children, and once we learn it, I just realized this. My my mom just came to visit me and spent like almost two weeks with us. Mm. And it was the first time our relationship was so light and loving. And it's because of all the work I've been doing on myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear that when you heal yourself, it heals future generations, but it also heals past generations. So I just saw the healing like growing around me and it's so beautiful. So sometimes you need to focus less on, changing our family and just focusing more on being our true authentic selves. And if we continue to show up that way and, you know, people just see how happy we are, how we're glowing, they're going to want a piece of that. Like, yes. Even if they don't say it, they're going to want a piece of that. Yes. So eventually there, there will be change. Yeah, There will be change. It may not be the change that we want and it may not be in the time frame that we want, but it'll happen. I, I, there's no lack of faith that I have in anyone. Like I have faith in every single person and their ability to just grow because we're essentially plants. We're all, we're always growing. We have no choice but to grow. Holistically. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's unnatural for us to try to cage ourselves in and to not grow. Yeah. That, that was beautiful. And that makes so much sense. I've looked back and saw how my healing of myself or my work has radiated back towards my mom or towards my dad uh, because my family on my mom's side at least you know they worked on a racehorse farm and it's animal exploitation animal exploitation animal exploitation slaughtering animals milking animals running them into the ground and so then here my mom has you know this vegan kid who's like I'm not riding horses anymore Blah, blah, blah. And that has gone back up through the line. Like, my mom's vegan now. She looks at all of that wow. with a totally different view, you know? And so I've watched beautiful. that relationship with animals in the world around us and nature change. And then I've watched her expand that into humans, you know, thinking and talking about topics that she had never really put into words before and made the link, like, between this group and this oppression here and that and this. Like, I've seen that expand. So I... That's so oh, beautiful. It is such a great thing to see. And yeah, it gives me a lot of hope. And I love how you said that you have faith in everyone because I feel like I get so negative sometimes and I just lose faith in everyone. So just to hear someone being like, yeah, I have faith in people. 
they can change, yeah. they can grow because we have to. Is such have to. a good thing to hear. Like my ears are like, wow, <laughs> I need to hear that more often. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely used to be in a place like prior to a little decade marker. Um, I used to be in a place where I would lose hope in people all the time. Yeah. Like I'd get really dark in my thoughts and you know, would be completely comfortable just finding a cave to live in and not be around other people for the rest of my life. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And now my compassion and my love for just every creation, every living thing, everything. Mm -hmm. I just love everything. And if I approach every day, if I come every day with that much love, that's what I'm going to attract to myself. So I don't ever, you know, I I got into activism after Trump got elected into office. And I'm not even into politics, but there were just certain things that he said that I'm like, I cannot support this being, you know, just shared across everyone. Um, yeah. But, you know, honestly, I can say that about every single president we've ever had. Same. But specifically, <laughs> yeah. once, once he got elected in, um, I got really big into activism, not even by choice, like that's a whole different story, but I was just kind of pushed to this pedestal yeah. to lead. And, um, I, my focus was inclusivity and I would make sure that I was inviting anyone, like even people who voted for Trump. I, you know, again, I don't want to be divisive. There's no them and us. It's just us. We are co- a collective unit, whether we want to be or not. And if we cannot be in the same room and have the tough conversations, how are we going to heal as a people? Because there's yeah. healing that needs to be done. If you're going to divide people, there's healing that needs to be done on both sides. Mm-hmm. Because both sides are being divisive. You know, there's no, when it comes to that kind of divisiveness, there is no right or wrong. And we really do have to come together. And, you know, that took a lot of people by surprise. I would invite these people mm-hmm. and like openly, like very openly and lovingly, just as I invited anyone else. And it's like, they're people too. Yeah. And they may have voted him for his business tactics or, you know, wanting reduced taxes and stuff. And it's like, that's okay. Like, that's okay. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but we need to look at the aspects of this, like what's going on that is wrong. And we need to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, have a room of hundreds of people and we would sit and we would have those hard conversations. And sometimes it came down to people not being happy with me. But if I know I'm just emitting love, then... Yeah. I, I, I'm not doing anything wrong. So go ahead and get mad at me, but you know, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm going to forgive you in the moment. It may shake me a little bit and I may yeah. like rethink how I communicated things to yeah. you, but I'm not going to you know beat myself up about it. And it really does come down to like, how much do you love yourself? Yeah. Cause if you're losing faith in other people, that means you could also lose faith in yourself. And at this point in my journey, there's nothing that could shake my faith in myself. So I think that's why I also am unshakable when it comes to my faith in other people. Yeah. I just, I just have patience for people. I'll still set up boundaries if I know that a person is toxic um, or is, you know, doing toxic things and not really serving me in a good way, you know, affecting me negatively. I'll put up a boundary, but it's not a wall. Yeah. You know, it's more like a line drawn in the sand and I want to help you come over to the other end and respect my boundaries so we can have a relationship. And, you know, so I don't know. I'm, I'm just very fluid. I just keep my energy fluid. 
You yeah, radiate that. Aspects. I know who I am and I love myself. And it's like, whoa, I want a piece of that. So I can see other people <laughs> being like, yes, I want in on that. How do I do it? And and then that's when those important conversations happen. And I'm so glad exactly. you said a boundary, not a wall. Because I feel like a lot of us these days, because there's just so much heat, you know, it's like wall here, wall here, which yep. sometimes is necessary, but wall, 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 eventually you pull your, you're in, you're in the walls, you know, right. you're in there by exactly. yourself with this fortress around you. So I'm yep. so glad you brought that up. And so I'm interested to hear how, I know that, I think I saw on your Instagram that you did a natural birth. And were you vegan at the time when this happened? I'm interested yes. how you even got into this realm of like being plant-based, doing the natural birth, working on yourself, learning emotional intelligence, all of these things. I just, so let's start there because I want to hear uh, yeah. how you even started that journey. Okay. I'll have to go a little further back from the birth, but I will get there. Um, so I had a very difficult childhood mm-hmm. um, because of some of the reasons that I already explained. I was assaulted as young as six months. My earliest memory of it was three. It continued into my early 20s, dealt with a lot of racism, not understanding that it was racism until I was mm-hmm. in my 20s. So dealing with that as a kid, I felt that there was something internally wrong with me, that no matter what I tried to do, all these people were hurting me, treating me poorly blaming things on me that I didn't do, you know, not seeing me for who I actually was. And that created this, um, not lack of self-worth, but I just questioned who I was all the time. And I just always felt like there wasn't a place for me that people weren't ever going to love me the way that I deserve to be loved. Not knowing, you know, now I know that I needed to love myself that much and Mm -hmm. you know, how other people were treating me shouldn't have had that, big of an effect on me but I'm a kid you know and I'm dealing with racism from my own parents like so it was just it was hard I had internalized racism against myself because that's what I was surrounded by so um in my teen years I attempted to take my life twice Mm -hmm. and um then in my 20s once I got to college I just really started to open my eyes it's like my third eye was like I'm going to open now like you need to see things differently. And I was in a music program studying music and it was really the music history classes that started to really trigger me. And I didn't understand why I was being triggered. And this is when I started to realize um, racism and how deeply ingrained it is in everything. And, um, you know, essentially they were saying that every type of music was created by European descended people. And I'm like, I just know that isn't true. Like in my soul, I know that isn't true. And I had to learn this and like spit it out as fact on these tests. Yeah. So that's when I like really started to question things. That's when I really started to explore at the time I was saying that I was bisexual. And then, you know, I was saying I was a lesbian for a while. Now I just say I'm fluid, you know, I guess pan, um, you know, I look at people individually, but I was starting to explore that side of me and be more comfortable with that. And so there was just all these shifts and changes. And I realized through my relationships, my intimate relationships, I was not showing up the best that I could in these relationships. I was carrying a lot of what I'm, what I know now is like my mother wound and my father wound. Those were showing up in my intimate relationships, which happens to really all of us. If we have 
those wounds. And um, so I was becoming codependent very easily and I was being shaken really easily by what these people thought of me. Um, You know, breakups are really earth shattering and I just wanted to figure out like what is going on with me? Like, why am I so influenced by what other people think of me? Why am I attracting people who are not treating me right? Why do I do things sometimes where like, I know that I can get manipulative and lie. Like, why do I do that um, to protect myself? So I started going to therapy. I started going to shaman and healers. Um, My mom's friend, that I've known for almost my whole life. She was always into tarot cards. And I always loved getting my tarot cards read by her. And my mom and her had gotten out of touch, but then I got back in touch with her and I was like, I'm going to be your friend. Like if you're not friends with my mom anymore, that's fine, but I need to be your friend. So she kind of like really helped me get into that spiritual realm and like taught me about crystals and would do healings for me. And I was like, okay, like this, this is something I want to get into. Um, but still at 25, So I think it was 24. So 10 years ago, almost to the day. So it's 10 years and a month ago, I attempted to take my life the final time. I was homeless at the time. I had lost my job due to an injury. I like, even though I was doing this healing work, you know, it was, I was just in the beginning stages and I was still like, okay, I'm healing myself, but all these other factors are not aligning. And I just felt completely hopeless. And I was like, well, maybe I just need to restart, like reboot, essentially. And um, my survival was an absolute medical miracle. And they flew in specialists from like all over the world to come study me. And they were just so astounded by my survival. And I took that as the kick in the butt that I needed. Like, I'm meant to stay here. I have a very, very strong purpose here because I feel like the divine spirit actually put their hands on me and, you know, brought me back. Pushed you back out. What happened? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's okay. Like, you're you're on your path now. So that is when I said, okay, now I'm going to focus on being my happiest, healthiest, wealthiest self. Mm -hmm. And from there on out, everything changed. So I went vegan probably half a year later mm-hmm. and at the time I was dealing with high blood pressure high cholesterol and chronic knee pain I had three three or four surgeries on my knee like wow. seven cortisone shots um severe arthritis like it was so bad that it was bone on bone grinding and they were saying they would need to replace my knee by the time I turned 30 and they were like bragging about it like you're gonna be my youngest knee replacement and I'm like um <laughs> but I don't want to be uh, <laughs> don't want that title Right, right. And then I also had severe gallstones. I was having gallbladder attacks. And they, again, they were saying, if you don't get this taken, like, if you don't allow us to remove your gallbladder, the next attack, you're going to die. Like, it's going to be fatal. So I had all these, like, chronic health issues. I had just survived scarlet fever. Like, who gets scarlet fever? And, you know, looking back on it, I'm realizing, like, it was, I was at such spiritual dis-ease that my body was just flipping out. Like my immune system was breaking down, like just everything was shutting down. You know, being homeless is, it just shakes everything. It just shakes everything. So when I went vegan, I I was originally challenged to a 30-day challenge by the partner that I had at the time. Mm -hmm. And during that time, um, I did a lot of research. And once I started learning about the animal cruelty part of it, 
that was like it for me. I was like, okay, I knowing what I know, there's no way I can go back to how I was eating. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also journaling during that time. I lost like 20 pounds. I started to see my cholesterol and blood pressure levels even out. So I was like, okay, like there's something with these plants, like it's working. Um, so then I stuck to it. I've been vegan ever since. So that's been almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in January. Wow. And then I started looking at, you know, after having that experience in the hospital, after attempting to take my life, I was like, okay, I, the doctors didn't serve me. Like they didn't know what happened. Like they didn't serve me at all. So I have not been back to a doctor since, um, I have taken my health completely into my own hands. So then I started to look at like plant-based medicine and Mm -hmm. I really got involved in cannabis and, um, making my own salves, like making my own cannabis oil or Rick Simpson oil, Phoenix tears is called many different things. But once I started putting that on my knee, I mean, like I said, I was bone on bone grinding so much pain. I couldn't stand for longer than 15 minutes. Now I can hike up Colorado mountains with no problem. Like I have no pain in my knee at all. And they were saying that wasn't possible. You know, they were saying essentially let me cut into your body and put something man-made in it, human made in it. And, that's going to be the answer, you know, and you're going to have to change it out. It may last you 10 years. Like it just wasn't the correct solution. So I've also looked into, that's when I started getting big into essential oils and tinctures. I mean, I should show you my medicine cabinet in my bathroom. And it's just like all tinctures, like all, you know, I, right now I forage a lot of my own herbs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I have probably, probably 150 different essential oils. So like I have things on hand to essentially heal us or remedy us from anything, you know? And if even when my kids sprained my ankle, I went to a medical store, I got the boot, you know, I took care of them. So, you know, there hasn't been anything drastic that has happened to us, but it's like, I've taught myself how to stitch like all these different things. So I really started to take my health completely into my own hands. Mm-hmm. Like once I realized how important it is, what we're putting in our mouth, but not just what we're putting in our mouth, what we're putting in our brain. Like I used to be big into, um, the saw movies, like anything oh, yeah. like horror, horror and gory. Like those are my things. And now like, I literally cannot watch them anymore Yeah, because what our brain sees, it thinks is happening right in front of it. So, like, our brain doesn't understand screens. Yes. So when you're, like, feeling anxiety when you're watching a movie, it's like you're actually putting your body physically through stress. So, you know, it changed – this wellness journey changed the music I listen to, changed what I watch, changed what I read, um, just everything. Everything in my life started shifting. So, you know, here I am. I have a new partner. Like, I'm feeling healthier. Um, you know, I'm committed to this veganism thing and I'm still working three jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, hard, I hardly have any free time when I do have free time. I'm running all these errands, still living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, essentially just making money to pay for a place to stay that I'm not ever going to own. My city was getting more and more dangerous and, um, police violence was just on the rise in my city. I just didn't feel safe. Like I still didn't feel safe, even though I wasn't homeless anymore and I had a home, Mm -hmm. I did not feel safe. And I'm like, something, something further needs to change here. And I remember I was laying in a park, kind of blanket, looking up at the clouds. And I think I had like, I probably smoked, like I was probably high. And, um, 
I was just like, you know what? We have this pop-up camper and we have an SUV. Like, why don't we just sell everything we own and live in our pop-up camper? Just start traveling. Yes. And, you know, it took, I had to really convince my partner because, you know, this, we weren't on the same journey yeah. and, you know, we didn't have the same experiences, but we set a 30 day timeline in 30 days, like literally the following day, I said, okay, in 30 days, we're on the road. So we immediately put in our notice at our jobs, put in our notice at our lease. That we were going to break our lease. Um, I am a musician. So I had a whole music studio of like high quality instruments. I was like, this is going to be our ticket to having a savings. Cause we had no savings at the time. Again, we were living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and it was just like a complete leap of faith, a complete leap of faith. And it just worked out so harmoniously. So I found someone to buy every single instrument that I was wow. selling, every, every big ticket item, my computers, everything. I didn't want a storage unit. I just wanted to rid myself of everything. Um, and then we had a rummage sale over one weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, rummage sale, no notice, you know, just a post on Craigslist and some signs in the neighborhood. And I, we essentially said, like, everything has to go. Just make us an offer. You know, we didn't put price takes on everything, anything. So I just bartered for an entire weekend. And, you know, people would come in and see, like, you have really nice stuff. Like, why are you selling everything you own? And then I would tell the story. And people would get super inspired. So then they would start telling their friends. So then their friends would come to support mm -hmm. us. And it just, like, it just, like, happened like this word of mouth. So Sunday evening... We sold almost everything. We had like one room full of stuff. And we had like 3,600 square feet, three mm -hmm. bedrooms, you know, uh, attic art studio, basement music studio. So like we had a lot of stuff. We had one bedroom's worth of furniture at the end of Sunday. I get a call and someone who had come on Saturday, they were like, I want to buy whatever you have left. Like I was so inspired by your story. I just want to buy everything you have left. So we literally did not donate a single item. Wow. And this was like a lifetime of stuff that we had with us. We had a lot of stuff. We, we didn't have to go to Goodwill. We didn't have to donate anything. Yeah. And like taking that leap of faith, miracles, literal miracles are going to work for you. But you just have to stay committed to that leap. So, you know, once that happened, we, we spent a practice week in my partner's parents' backyard in the pop-up camper. I had two cats. It was two people and two cats in a little pop-up camper. <laughs> and it was so much fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. Cause it was just like, you know, camping nonstop. And yeah. then we went out to Colorado cause I really wanted to be somewhere where my magical medicine was legal. Mm -hmm. And we came out to Colorado and we stayed in the pop-up camper for about a year. And then I moved up to a class C RV but um, even though it was newer, it was, like, really cheaply made. It was one of those, like, um, Cruise America RVs mm -hmm. that they, after they hit a certain mile amount of miles, they sell them. Mm -hmm. But everything was, like, super cheaply made. And I was like, I don't like this. And now I'm in a 30-foot Class A that I've been calling home for five years now. It's going to be five wow. years in September. So wow. I haven't looked back, you know. You like, really <laughs> took that leap of faith. You were like, yeah. 30 days it's gone. We're going to do it. I love yep. that about nomads because that's usually the thing. You decided one day and you go for it. You're just like, yep. I, I'm like that too. I'll 
I'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to this country? Oh, yeah, two days later, like, yeah, we're going. We're going to do it. So I love hearing stories like that and how you were inspiring people along the way and how everything came together perfectly yes. to push you out there and get you into the world. And, I mean, just look at ev- look at you now, you know? Just like this <laughs> exactly. vibrant, thriving, healthy human being, you know, who just emits yes. like radiance and love and creativity. Wow. Thank you for sharing yeah. that story. That of is so... I did not know that. That is so amazing. Yeah. When I tell people that story, they're just like, just completely taken aback. And I'm like, I know. Like... Even if I had sat there and overthought everything and I asked myself all the what ifs, I could not have pictured it happening as perfectly as it did. Yeah. So like to not get stuck in the what ifs was the most important thing. And to just focus on that end goal and to trust the process. And that's exactly what we did. And then once I became a nomad, once you free yourself from that cycle, like I've pretty much been working for myself my entire um, nomad career I don't know <laughs> my journey, nomad span. <laughs> journey, yeah, journey. Um, and it just like opened up the ability to like even get deeper into my wellness because mm-hmm. you know a lot of people are afraid of themselves yeah they're afraid to listen to that voice in their head they're afraid to face things they've done you know different versions of themselves that they've been and being a nomad really gave me that space to deal with all the trauma from my past and to mm-hmm you know, face it and to shed it and to change the energy, change how I feel around it. And now I see myself as a survivor instead of a victim through all of that. And, you know, I do a lot of inner child work where I will actually um, meditate on going back to that situation. And I show up as the adult that my child needed. Mm -hmm. And that heals that past energy. And people say you cannot change the past, but it's like you can change the energy that you hold about the past, though. And it just like gave me this space to like really embrace nature because, you know, once you become plant based, like you really see how every single plant that's out there has some type of medicinal purpose. Mm -hmm. If not for us, then for some other species. Right. And just knowing that is so beautiful. I just like get so curious and I love to like grab plants and smell them and, you know, learn different things. And like I said, I love making home remedies. Like I, I absolutely love. I don't love when my kid gets sick, obviously. My kid doesn't get sick (laughs) often, but I love having a new challenge. And it's just really given me the space to, like, be here and Mm -hmm. be present for myself, for my kid, for my cat. You know, (laughs) um, just just being there and just witnessing what life brings to us instead of chasing moments. Because I felt like when I was working all the time, I was just chasing freedom. Yeah. Even just a few hours of just freedom and financial freedom and it's like this lifestyle really helped me blossom it was like that final big step that I needed it's a huge change when you go from working just to be able to pay for your house that you go to work or your car right like you're going to work this Mm -hmm. to make this money to put into these things that you need to go to work to make the money to put into those things. It's just this yep. vicious cycle. So I'm also interested as to what exactly you do now, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to pay for your lifestyle, pay for things that you want to do. What are the businesses that you run? Yeah. So that has been a journey too. So, um, you know, cause I hadn't, even though I've always been a hustler, so I've always had like a little side hustle, selling my music, you know, performing, mm-hmm. gig work, like whatever that looked like. 
I hadn't fully relied on myself to bring in income before. And, you know, at first it was more of looking up Craigslist gigs and, you know, before I had a kid and making remedies. Like I love making remedies and giving them to people. And I usually only ask for a donation. And I remember, I won't ever forget this. I was like in the middle of the Arizona desert, just like hiking with my kid. And I had just spent my last $20 on food or gas or something. I was like, okay, you know, the universe will bring me something. And someone approaches me in the middle of the desert <laughs> and says, hey, are you that person that makes salves? And they're like, I want to buy one. <laughs> in the middle of the desert. So it's like, things have just worked out for me. So it was a lot of that, just like inconsistent money coming in. But once I had a kid, I was like, okay, I need to get a little more consistent of an income. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to make sure that I have several sources of income, too. So within the past year, I've learned a lot. Like I've learned a lot about like building wealth and just different things that billionaires are doing to become millionaires. And um, so I still, of course, do my remedies, my natural remedies. Um, I do consultations. I'm a life coach and a holistic coach. So I'll do one-on-one -on -one consultations. I'm starting to offer classes. I'm working on some eBooks. So digital products, like working remotely, that's huge for me right now. So mm -hmm. once I, I'm working on a cannabis ebook and then a van life nomad ebook, and those are things that I'm going to be able, able to make money off of over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And all it's going to take is this, you know, upfront work. Um, so the course too, once I get that built out, it's going to be a lot of work at first, but then it's just something that can just continue to generate income. Um, I'm also, I'm not as passionate about this, but I'm working with federal government contracting, mm -hmm. which when I first heard that, I was like, mm, I don't want anything to do with the government, <laughs> yeah. but I do like getting money from the government because it's <laughs> yeah. like, I think, I think you owe me for everything that you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, for being <laughs> this, this terrible kind of my, entity that we can't escape from. Exactly. exactly. So this is kind of my way to like get some of that money back, but essentially I'm the middle person. So there's a website, sam.gov where they list all of their contracts and it may be like snow removal. Mm -hmm. So I'll use that for an instance. So I see if there's a contract, they need snow removal done in Atlanta. So I call snow removal companies in Atlanta and say, how much would you charge to do this work? They give me their amounts. I take like the middle amount mm -hmm. and then I put in my bid for this contract and if I, well, I, I add my amount to it too, because I obviously want to be making something on top of it. So let's yeah. say it's $75,000. I'll raise it to like $80,000 or something. And then I'll put in my bid to the government. And if they accept it, I get all that money. Mm. And then I am paying out the company to do the work. So I'm just kind of overseeing the job. Okay. And again, it's completely remotely. Wow. You just make a phone call once a week, once every two weeks to make sure it's being done. If they're not doing a good job, you find another company to fulfill it. But the government needs these contracts filled. And there's, I think it's an insane number, like 5,000 contracts a day are added to that website. Like they have way more contracts than they do people to fill them. So yeah. once you have the contract, even if a company isn't doing a good job, you need to find someone else. They're going to give you that space and time to find someone else because, you know, they don't want to do the work and right. it'd be more work for them to like completely redo the process so that has been an awesome way and I'm just wow. starting this but um I mean like I said I met someone who went from working in a gas station 
in, you know, he calls it the hood, to being a millionaire off of just federal government contracting. Because once you secure enough contracts, the government will actually come to you and say, hey, I need this done. Can you do it? Yeah. And, I mean, they can last five years. So you can be making yeah. like $5,000 a month for five years and know that that is secured. You know, so this is this is like that more consistent because life coaching right. and consultations and natural remedies, that's not necessarily always consistent. And with having a kid, I'm putting more pressure on myself to like actually have a savings and, yeah. you know, just making sure. I mean, I always have felt in this nomad life that I have everything I need. And that's really beautiful, but like my kids growing, so my kids change it, or my kids' needs are constantly changing. You know, even just their clothing, uh, you know, different books, different homeschooling stuff. So yeah, yeah. So those are the two main things I'm doing. I was working as a, um, I was working for another company, another vegan company, and teaching classes, teaching their academy. But I'm kind of doing that on my own now. So I'm always looking for ways to expand on my wellness journey. Um, I just started running retreats where people come to me and I provide a safe space for them to take some additional plants and just grow. You know, I, I work as an energy practitioner. I help them release past traumas that they hold within them. So I am growing as a healer and as a energy practitioner, as a holistic coach. And as I grow, you know, more and more people will come to me and maybe one day, that's what I'll rely on. And I won't yeah. do something like federal government contracting because I'm not passionate about that. Right. But it's a good, like easy way to bring in some good money. So, and that's I'm what so I'm glad you shared about that because I love when guests share about the full spectrum of things because we can look at each other on social media or I'm like, wow, you're doing energy healing and you're making these tinctures and you're doing this and that. But it's usually there's another side to that. And so for people yeah. who want to get into this lifestyle, it's really helpful for them to see the full picture and say, okay, I might have to do some things that I'm not passionate about for a while until I get right. where I want to be. So thank you for providing that full picture of yeah. all the different <laughs> things that you do. And if anyone is interested in working with you, we will definitely put a link in the show notes so that they can get in contact Perfect. with you and experience you. this beautiful energy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Yes. I appreciate that. Yes. Well, thank you so much for just these very personal and raw and honest stories because I know that that's been so much uh, – emotional energy in your life and labor and now you're just you know giving us this gift of this is what I've been through and inspiring other people and teaching other people I want to hear what you would say to those folks who are right on the cusp of a new adventure or a new phase in their life whether they want to go vegan or they want to move into a camper or a van or they want to start backpacking or they're like, you know what, this nine to five is not serving me. I want to do energy healing. What would you say to those people? I mean, I would just tell them to take the leap of faith, like get out of your head, just go out there and start taking actions towards that goal because energy is always shifting around us and the universe, the divine energy, whatever religion or spirituality you have, they want what's best for us. They want us to thrive. Mm -hmm. So why are you keeping yourself stuck? Like at that point, your barriers are in your head. Mm -hmm. You're creating them. If you're worried about money, like, like I said, I didn't have a savings when I joined this nomad life, even giving a natural birth, which I will talk about. Cause I know you asked about that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
No one in my family had ever given a natural birth. No one that I knew had ever given a natural birth. Mm -hmm. But did I allow that to stop me? No. Because I knew that's something that I needed to do for myself. So, you know, if you want to be a healer, if you want to be a nomad, if you want to be vegan, just do it. Just try it because you won't know if it's for you until you try it. And I have met the rare nomads that have tried it and they were just so uncomfortable just living in the unknown, essentially, Mm -hmm. that they went back to living in a house. So it's like, it's not, especially nomadism, it's not for everyone. Yeah. But try it, you know, do it for a season. I think so many of us get caught in this, like, forever, this sense of forever. Like, whatever choice I make now, that's going to affect me forever. But you can do things for a season. You know, people just have to be a little more fluid. You know, we're in a society where they push us to do the same thing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have this sense of forever. You know, if I choose to be a healer, I'm going to be a healer for 40 years until I get to retire, you know, whatever that looks like. But it's like, we are breaking that now. Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us in significance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life they're not completely happy with mm-hmm. and they're doing it just because you know it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society Definitely. or they're just you know stuck in this rut mm-hmm. and you know ruts can be comfortable for people and they can be very comfortable comfort is not how you how you grow as a person <laughs>